that and go to First Corinthians. Does anybody know what we've been preaching on lately? Does anybody need any more love? Amen. You know, God is love. And if we love God, we're going to walk in love. If you don't, well, you'll wish you had. Amen. You know, the fact that he loves us is probably one of the greatest truths you'll, you'll ever hear. Lisa's mother used to run around with tracks that said, God loves you. And I, I always thought that track wasn't a very deep track. I found out later, it was pretty deep. The fact that he actually cares about us, that's a pretty big deal. Because, I mean, if while looking at us, maybe we aren't all that. Amen? But he loves us anyway. Isn't that good? So we've been, we've been talking about our love walk are walking in love. You walk in love, you walk in God. You step out of love, you step out of God. Well, if you walk in love, faith works by what? It works by love. So if you don't walk in love, your faith doesn't work. Right? And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So stop and think about that for a minute. Your love walk is tied to victory. To the degree you walk in love, you walk in victory. To the degree you step out of love, you step out of victory. Amen. So it's imperative that we learn to walk in love. So, so, we've, been, so we've been studying this. So in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're just going to read again. And we've been taking this apart because we needed to. Amen. So let's begin. It says, verse 4, love suffers long and is patient and kind. Our love suffers long as kind. It does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Now, you know, when you read something like that, it rejoices in the truth. That is an odd thing in my opinion, to put right in the middle of, a, of someone talking about walking in love. What does he mean by love rejoices in truth? Jesus said, you'll know the what? The truth and the truth has set you free. In our world today, the world is not as interested in truth as you think they are. All right, let's take the Middle East right now. How many people in the Middle East, and I'm referring to Muslims and, and the religion of Islam, how many of you think they're interested in the truth? No, not even a little bit. Do you think they'll ever be born again? No, they won't, not until they get interested in truth. Are there people over there saved? Yes, they are. Okay, you know, so they're not all the bad guys. Well, how about all the cults that have risen up in America today? the Jehovah Witness and the Mormons, do you think they're remotely interested in truth? No, not even a little bit. You know, so, so Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, to the degree you love truth, you love God. <coughs> to the degree you don't love truth, you don't love God because you can't love God without loving truth. Now, we've talked about the unbeliever. What about Christians? Do all Christians want truth? No, no they don't. Because then they become responsible for it. Yes. Now, there's a lot of things that I would like to preach on, but it would be y'all's last Sunday. <laughs> you know, there's things that we have a hard time hearing. Yes. Yeah, you know, I have another scripture. I made it up. It's a scripture, but I made it up. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you mad. Because I've had times when I've told people some truth and they just got mad at me. Have y'all ever told somebody and said, I think I need to say something to y'all. And they didn't like it very well. Well, God can't change you apart from your receiving truth. He can't do it. That's the reason why you go to church, read a Bible, etc., etc. To the degree that you're in love with that Bible, you're in love with God. To the degree you don't love your Bible, you don't love God. You're playing a game. Because you don't want to know the truth. You think you got it all figured out. So there's a point here that you'll level out. Because all of us 
have certain areas of our life where we're blindsided. We don't know everything. But God is always taking you from glory to glory or, or introducing you to something new and taking you on. For instance, many of you learned the truth and you got born again. You received Jesus and you went, wow, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I'm saved going to heaven. That's awesome. But you were stuck in a church that taught you that tongues was of the devil. It had been done away with and God makes people sick to heal, to teach them lessons. And that's not true. Not in the Bible anywhere, just not true. But there are people who don't want to hear it because they like the pity and they like blaming God rather than taking responsibility for their own actions. But there came a day when many people walked into a church like this one and said, you know what, what is it about this tongues thing? I had a man that I met about two months ago, maybe three, uh, Edward, the guy from Israel that, I, that I'm going to Israel with. And he came into our church and we were standing in the foyer and he looked at me and said, what's the difference in being born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit? I said, do you want to know? He said, yes. I said, well, come on to the office, let's go. And I sat down there and opened up the Bible with him, taught him what the Word said. And about 30 minutes later, he said, and they're speaking in tongues. Now, he, he didn't have advantage of that because up until he met me, he'd never heard anybody give him any truth. It was for him, but he needed some truth. Now, he told me a story right after that, a real powerful story. He said, I'm sitting in my church and the Holy Ghost said, the woman behind you and he needs thus and so, I want you to walk up to her and say this to her. Well, he didn't know what a word of knowledge was. Never had one until he got filled with the Holy Ghost. So he said, Lord, I don't know that woman. He said, go up there and say this to her. He said, I don't know her. He said, just, just do it. He did it and she started crying and he said her and found out she wasn't born again, led her to the Lord and got her born again and set free from what was bothering her. But see, that never happened until he met me and I opened up the word. The truth set him free. Now, again, in a church like this right here, we have people for years and years and years that have come to churches like this and we used to line you up and lay hands on you and you'd fall out on the floor and bounce if no one caught you. Find out how spiritual you were. Many people got healed. We still do it as the Lord leads. But the real truth is, the truth is, you really needed some truth. You cannot live on a street corner with a tin can for money. That's not the primary way of making a living. And neither is lining people up and getting them healed on someone else's faith. If we could just get some truth into you, you could walk in health and never get sick. But you got to hang out long enough and you've got to love truth. Do you understand that? Now, let's go back to when I got saved. When I got born again, I, honest to God, was a barefoot redneck. I mean, I didn't have any sense in my head. I didn't have any sense. But when I got saved, I realized I need a lot more than I have right now. I need something. I don't know enough to make it. And when I started running around with people like Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin and learning the Word of God, it was the teaching that, that helped me go from where I was to where I am now. So I got to tell you all a story. It's really funny. My family up in Georgia remembers the way I was. They don't remember the way I am now. They don't know much about me right now, but they knew the way I was. They remembered me burning Nancy at the stake. They remembered me waking up in the morning, putting on a pair of blue jeans and headed to the river and swimming all day. And I, and I bought a horse for $200. I didn't have a saddle or bridle. I used a hay string in his mouth and rode all over the countryside on this horse. And um, I was just a country as you can get. 
And so when in the wintertime, when I'd come home from, deer, from hunting, I stunk so bad, my mother made me take off all my clothes outside and wouldn't even allow me in the house. So my family remembers this. You know, Daryl, I mean, he's like Dennis the Menace. <laughs> then one day, this kid gets saved. That's all they heard. And then I left and went to Oklahoma. Well, the next time they saw me, I'm preaching in a heart shafter mark suit with alligator shoes and driving a brand new truck. And their head can't handle this. And they're like, that's not my brother. Well, I'm not your brother. I'm different. And no, I didn't burn Nancy at the stake. That's the old man. We still have that argument every Thanksgiving and Christmas when I go up and they want to bring up my past. I don't have a past. I'm a new creation. So, so you understand, I grew because of truth. If I hadn't have received it and fallen in love with it, I would never have changed from who I was to who I am today. And the same thing's true now. I will not make it to where God wants to take me if I don't fall in love with the Word of God. Because there's still areas of my life He wants to change in me. I'm not where He wants me to be even now. I had him tell me one time years ago, he says, not everything I'm doing in you right now is for now. I'm working in you things I'm going to use you for during the millennial reign. You know that we're all working right now. He's working in you on the job he'll have you doing during the millennial reign. And a lot of times the things you're going through right now, you don't understand, but he's working. So he said right here in the beginning, he said, he said, if you love God, you're going to love truth. Now, let me back up a minute because I got to read something out of a little book. Not only does it say you love truth, you, but it says you love with truth. Now, which translation's right? I don't know, but I think they're both right. Not only do we love truth, but I think we love with truth. So literally, let me read to you what that means. It's probably a word, no English word, certainly not sincerity defines. It means self-restraint refuses to make capital out of other people's faults. Charity, which delights not exposing in the weakness of other people. This is a heavy statement. This is a good statement. How many of you, when you mess up, you want everybody to tell everybody about it? I don't like it either. Now, he said something here about love. Love covers. As a matter of fact, let's pop that on the screen. I want you to see that. In Proverbs, let's read this because I think this is Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. There is a preacher here in America. He's on television and he has an extremely large church. I'm not going to mention his name. It's not apropos for the sermon. He's got, I think, several children, more than three or four. He's got a whole bunch of kids. And he made a statement on public television that not all of his kids followed the Lord. How many of y'all got a couple of kids or maybe one in the family that just didn't turn out right? And you did the best. Aren't you glad to hear that some preacher's kids don't all do, you know? He said, I did the best I could, but we had one that just didn't do it. Well, one day he was in his house with this child of his, and his child was about eight, 16 years of age. And uh, this child became quite mouthy with him and was sassing him. And he says, you're not leaving the house and going to do whatever it is you think you're going to do. And this child said, yes, I am. I'll do what I want to, when I want to, how I want to, if I want to. And so they got into a father-child argument, and she called the police and told the police he hit her, and they hauled him to jail. Big preacher in prison. Well, the people came and got him out, and Next Sunday morning, he's got to stand up in front of the church and explain why he's a jailbird. 
And he told his congregation, he says, well, I've done pretty good with most of my kids. He said, but, you know, they have a will of their own. And then he says, whatever was said was not true. But he never said anything negative to trash this child out publicly. That is extremely honorable to do. Now, here's what I find. When someone does something to us, we want to justify ourselves by making sure everybody knows what a jerk that other person is. Did you know that doesn't do you any good? You know why? It takes you down to their level. And then everybody's already made up their mind anyway. If they don't like you, they've already decided they don't like you. So Brother Hagen made a statement one time. He said, if they accuse me of killing my grandmother, I won't even deny it. And all of the years, if you go on the internet, you can find more trash on Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar. I don't care. There's enough trash. And you've never heard one of them ever defend themselves and say anything negative about the person who's criticizing them. Do you know why? It doesn't do any good. But also shows you that they're walking in love. Because that's Satan's ploy to pull you down. So the best thing to do with your critics is just be quiet about it. Not only that, but then I heard Kenneth Copeland preach a message one year. And he said that sometimes when you see someone doing something wrong, they sometimes will go off and ask God to forgive them and say, God, I... I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Help me, Jesus. And about that time, you're out slandering them. They're right with God, and now you're out of fellowship with God. See, we don't have that right. Love covers. When you see somebody doing something, it's a whole lot better just to hide it, cover it up. And I'm not saying cover and send you know, someone kills someone. Call the cops. You know, no. Okay. I'm just talking about sins because once you slander someone, people never forget it, even when it's a lie. The news media is doing that now with Trump. They'll make up something that's not true, and people, and then they'll come back and say, oh, yeah, by the way, that wasn't true. Well, you know, after you throw enough mud, some of it's sticking, even though there's no evidence that it's true. So when people do that to you, I, let's just say, for instance, that I stood up and said, you know, Reverend so-and-so in town, he's a homosexual. And then the next week I stand up and go, ah, I was wrong. You know that you will never forget that? That will taint you listening to that guy the rest of your life, and maybe it wasn't true. Now, how much do you think it taints someone when it is true? It hinders them from getting up and moving on. I'm preaching way better, y'all. Amen. So when you walk into a church, you need to be in an environment where people are helping you grow. You know stuff about people. Be quiet. Let them grow in God. Listen, let's just come back to me. I never told you I was perfect. I've never preached Daryl once. Thank you, officer, for your enthusiasm. As a matter of fact, I promise you, I'm an imperfect human being. If you don't know it, ask Lisa. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Because I found out years ago, it took me a while to find this out. People will attack me. Because they don't like what I said from the word. They can't say I don't agree with God. So they'll say I don't agree with Daryl. And then they'll make up some crap that's not true. And it might be true. You might make up something like he said crap on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I should have said crapola, which is Greek. No, I'm teasing 
In other, in, in other words, you, we've got to give people space to grow. You've got to be a little more gracious with the people around you because the closer you get to them, the more you know. And it's a whole lot better if you'll just leave them to God and just when you see them doing something stupid, just be quiet about it. God's not done with them. And we don't want to know all their trash anyway. Amen. We have, we have certain uh, people, I have people I know. And one of the ladies goes to this church, and I've told her this. I, I, there's, a, there's a lady that goes to this church. Her husband's not all that. And I've never heard her say one negative thing about her husband in her whole life. That's, that's a testimony. Imagine what Lisa could do. We've made real sure between the two of us, we never run each other down in public. Never in front of other people. It's none of their business. And it doesn't do you any good to do it. Wow. Some of y'all are going, I got some changes to make. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Then this word, it goes on. It also means self-restraint, which I said that, refuses to make capital out of other people's faults. Charity, which delights not in exposing the weakness of other people. It covers all things. The sincerity of purpose, which endeavors to see things as they are and rejoices to find them better than suspicion or gossip has denounced. Okay. So, the next, the, the next part of this, go, go with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. How then do you learn to walk in love? Because we all realize we need to do this. All right, how many musicians do we have here this morning? Play guitars or whatever. Nikki, how often do you uh, practice? Once every six months? No. No. Okay, it's once every month? No. More? Yeah. How often? Once every week. Once every week. Do you all find that strange? No. no. Because if you don't practice, you're never going to get good at anything. The only way you're ever going to walk in love, listen, just, I'm going to say something here in a minute, and I'm going to rock your world, it's going to be good, is to practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. So why do you think God puts the people around you that he has put around you. Because we all know they're knuckleheads. And they all rubbing you the wrong way and getting on your nerves. Boy, I've got to come over here and preach. Nobody over here understood anything I said. How many of you have got circumstances right now that are stretching you? I'm going to say something that's going to make you mad. Good. You know that when the astronauts spend a certain amount of time in outer space, when they come back, they can't walk. Mm-hmm. You have to have gravity in order to keep you strong. Right. You need yeah. numb nut friends. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Got some, okay. <laughs> I can see this is fixing to get real good. I want you to look at this scripture. Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, 5, which was in Christ, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, and made himself of no reputation, took the form of a bondservant, and came in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the cross. One translation says, Jesus uh, learned obedience. Now you're thinking, now hold on a minute. He's God. He didn't learn obedience. He was obedient. No, he, God put him in the flesh and put him in the world. And he had to live his obedience out in the world. How many of you know he ran into some people that didn't like him? How many of you know he ran into some circumstances? 
All right, now I'm going to show you something about God because unless you're practicing your love walk, you're never going to get better at it. You have got to pick up your Bible and go, well, I think right now is a good opportunity to be patient. And right now is a good opportunity to do what the pastor said Sunday morning and cover the sin and keep my mouth shut and don't say anything about what I'm seeing right now. And my God, this is not easy. But you're never going to get good at it if you're never going to practice it. All right, I got, I got one. I got to read this to you. Do not quarrel with your lot in life. Do not complain of your never ceasing cares, your petty environment, and the vexations you have to stand, the small and sordid souls that you have to live and work with. Above all, do not resent temptation. Do not be perplexed because it seems to thicken around you more and more. It ceases neither, neither effort nor agony of your prayer. This is the practice. It is the practice to which God has appointed you. And it is having its work by making you patient, making you humble, making you generous, making you unselfish, kind, and courteous. Do not begrudge the hand that's molding you into sharpness of the image of God in you. It is growing you more beautiful, though you do not see it. Every touch of temptation is adding to your perfection. And I know y'all are sitting around going, y'all just know what I'm going through. And I'm going, good. We love the product, the end product of what you're going through right now. Because unless you have the opportunity to practice your love walk, you're not going to grow in God. Now, I told a story in the first service. And uh, Lisa's brother's here, and I know he's going to try to figure out who this person is. And I'll have to tell him later. But anyway, (laughs) there is a person in mine and Lisa's life that for years I didn't like at all. And he had a trouble of criticizing me to my face at my house, in my kitchen. And I told Lisa one day, I said, if you don't get him out of here, I'm going to mop your floor with him. I I, I did, I did. And I wasn't joking. And Lisa will tell you, this is absolutely true. One day I went to his house, and I don't know why in the world, every time I'd sit down, he would start telling me all that he didn't like about me. And I, and I looked at Lisa one day, and I said, I have to go home. She says, we just got here. I said, I could care less. I said, I'm going to kill him in his living room. And it's not my brother. It's not Dan. It's not Dan. I actually like Dan. And I mean, this guy got on my nerves. I mean, I mean, he, one, time, one time, and I won't tell you where this was, sat down at a table with him, and he looked up and decided everybody at the table ought to know about me. I, 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 I had to get up and leave the house. I am going to break his face right here. In the, and, and you know what? I just had visions of just, I'll just, we just try, we just fix him. He will never open that nasty mouth of his again. How many of you know where the real work needed to be done? Because he's not the first nasty mouth person I've ever met. But now, now let's go down the road several years. Well, more than several, like about 10. And Lisa asked me one day about this person. I said, yeah, I can't wait to go visit him. I said, I actually like the guy. And, and, and I said, I've actually gotten to the place where if he starts criticizing me, I'll probably look at him and say, eh, that's probably true. Eh, whatever. Pass the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Who changed? I did. Uh, uh, y'all, I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying I'm, very often, we're trying to 
fix everybody around us. And God's wanting to fix you to where you can handle whatever is coming at you. And that's called working on your love walk. Then I'm going to tell you, my love walk with this guy was not that. But I never hit him. Thank you, Jesus. I got, a, I got a good testimony. I've only hit two people since I've been saved. One was a guy at work. And, I, and it wasn't him. I, I was in an argument with someone on the phone on the way to work. It wasn't Lisa either. And then I get to work and this guy throws mud on me and I climb down and I just decked him. And we, we you throw mud on me again, I'll just take you out. And then after about a, a good 60 seconds into the fight, I stopped up and I said, I ain't mad at you. Good God, just don't throw mud on me. How many of you knew that I, God needed to work on me? Because I never hit any of y'all either. <laughs> but actually, I'm not like that anymore. Lisa will tell you, she's married to me. I, I just, when people come up and criticize me, I go, that's probably, you want some more dirt? I got some for you. It just doesn't bother me anymore. What happened? I grew. I've been growing in God. God the things that God, he never did take the, the stupid people away. They're still there. But, but y'all understand, he's working in you, and, 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 and yet my, my hanging out with God, studying love walk, and practicing it. And at first, it was not easy. But after a while, it got easier and easier and easier. So I got a, now I got another story. It's a whole lot easier to tolerate than popping people. <laughs> when I first uh, moved here to Orlando from, from Rama, I was the Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm a little fat white guy. I didn't have a muscle in my body except my mouth. Mouth, the only thing that I had any muscles in it. I mean, I was about as pudgy and plump with no muscles underneath as you can get. Well, we had a couple of guys in our church called uh, Gary and Don, Gary Rathman and Don, I forgot Don's last name. Anyway, Nehemiah Masonry, and they hired me to be a mason tender, and I needed a job. And I mean, the first month was hard. Because they had these concrete blocks, they called them cinder blocks, and they weighed 16 pounds a piece, and those things were heavy. And the guy started laughing at me, and they went, Morgan, those are the lightweight blocks. We hadn't even got to the heavy ones yet. And I mean, I'd pick up two blocks and walk off with them, and I swore my arms were getting longer. I mean, it was pulling my joints out. I mean, my poor body, my body was going through. I'd go home at the end of the day, I was in pain. But I had to get up and go to work. Now, here's the, here's the funny part. I also had to make mud. I couldn't pick up a whole wheelbarrow full of mud. I'd have to fill it half up because if it was full, I'd go. And the wheelbarrow wouldn't move. And that's embarrassing. I'd have to fill it up and take it up and fill up their mud boards and run back. I'm running myself ragged because I'm weak. And they were ragging, Morgan, we need mud up here. We need mud up here. And I'm going, I'm coming as fast as I can. And I'd put a little bit in the wheelbarrow and run that empty wheelbarrow up there and scoop three out and run back and get some more. Well, about a year later, I finally got to where I could fill up the whole wheelbarrow. I mean, I'm, you know, come on, y'all. I'm getting, <laughs> dude, rock out, you know. Then after that, we started building houses and we started using 32-pound concrete blocks. I thought, guys, these things are heavy. They said, Morgan, that's not even the heaviest block. And I threw those things for a while. Then finally I got to where I was a block mason. You reach down and you grab that block with one hand, take a trial and smack mud on it, put it on the end, lift it up with one hand and set that block on a wall, 32 pounds. And they, they require 400. I averaged about 600 block a day. And when I first began, I'd butter it up and take two hands because I couldn't take a 32 pound block and put it up on the wall. But after a couple of years, I got to where I'm picking it up with one hand. Then we went to Sanford and started building the, the um, shopping center out there, and they started using boxcars, 72-pound concrete block. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The devil invented boxcars. <laughs> that is a heavy block. 
It's almost 100 pounds. You reach down to grab that butter, that thing is set it up on a wall. And yet every day of my life, I picked them up. And I remembered going back after laying boxcars for a year to a normal 32-pound block. And I remembered picking it up and going, oh, my God. It was so light. What happened? And I got, now I got to tell the rest of the story. My forearms got to where they're 13 and a half inches. I mean, my arms got hard as rocks and big. And I got buff. I got a tan. I was looking good. I'd come home, Lisa chased me around the house. Come here, baby. Come on. No, I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. Okay. <laughs> Do y'all do y'all understand what God is doing? You're you're going, oh God, I can't handle this. And he's going, oh yes, you can. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart, but it's not doing you any good because you have nothing to practice it on. But you do have something to practice it on. And y'all are sitting there going, You better believe I got some stuff. I'm sitting next to him right now. No, I'm teasing. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Your life, God is, God is using the things that you're going through to continue to perfect the love of God in you. And I'm going to tell you something watching y'all year after year. There's a lot of people in this church. You have really grown. It is so exciting to look around and see the maturity and the growth that I see in people. Lisa's brother's here from Tennessee and Cheryl. He, he's turning to be quite a man of God. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I remember him when. And I probably embarrassed him a little bit, but that's all right. He's humble now. <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's, he's quite a gentleman, quite a guy. And Cheryl... And, and I'll tell you something, you, you hang around people long enough, after a while you go, oh, they're really, they're really doing good. Now, that's God working in you, but you've got to let people do it. You've got to love truth, and you've got to love it enough to let it do its job. And now, when you walk into a church, you understand that your love walk is connected to the people here. You can't develop without people. Now, I know some of y'all think about changing churches, but let me help you with something. The last numb nut that left this one went over there, so they're waiting on you. <laughs> there aren't any perfect church. There just aren't any perfect. There ain't no perfect job. There ain't no perfect marriage. It just doesn't exist. What we really need to work on is us. All right, I got one more area that I need to talk to you about. Go to 1 John uh, chapter 4. About walking in love. There is no way you cannot love to order. You can only look at a lovely object and fall in love with it and grow into its likeness. So look at the perfect character, the perfect life. Look at the great sacrifice Jesus laid down through his life at the cross of Calvary and fall in love with him. And loving him, you become like him. Amen. Now, that's, that's a powerful statement right there. To the degree you're going to walk with God, you're going to grow in love. Because you can't grow in love not walking with him. You can't do it. All right, I'm going to show you something. In my office, I have a plaque, and I made it up for Ken. I told you this during the um, offering a while ago, but it bears repeating again. There's a plaque that says, one man reads the Bible, 99 read the man. I didn't write that plaque. Uh, ju just, you know, I didn't go to Ramah because Kenneth Hagin preached the Bible. I went to Ramah because Kenneth Hagin lives the Bible. I needed someone to watch. I needed to see someone doing what I wanted to do. I needed a mentor. I want you to think about what I'm about to say. 
It's extremely important who you run around with. You run around with bad people, bad company corrupts good character. You're going to become like them. But if you want to change, you're going to have to find people doing better than you and run around with them, and they're not going to accept you if you're not willing to make the change. When Jesse Duplantis first started running around with Kenneth Copeland, he was a broke Cajun who could preach. But Kenneth and Jerry and Creflo led him in the inner circle. He became the man he is by the people he's running around with. The disciples became like Jesus because they ran around with Jesus. David's men became mighty men because David was a mighty man and they became like him. Now, God is love, right? To the degree you're going to spend time with God, you're going to become like him. To the degree you don't, you won't be. And you may never change. I know people, sad, but 30, 40 years of being a born-again Christian, there is no evidence of them ever being born again. Now, why is that? They don't love truth. Oh, they go to church. They profess to be a Christian. No, they don't walk with God. You walk with him, you're going to turn out just like him, I'm going to tell you. You're going to go from glory to glory by what you're looking at. Now, the devil has strategically planned all kinds of trouble for you to look at. You got to watch what you watch on TV. You, you cannot run around with, with ugly people. Well, thank y'all for y'all's. There's a lot of bitter, ugly, hard to get along with people on the planet right now. You've got to limit how much you run around or hang around them or even listen to them. And they're all mad. They're all mad at somebody or upset at somebody. And it may be, it may have some facts in it, but it's not the truth. And you may say, well, I don't have time to listen to reading my Bible. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I know you're on Facebook because I see you. You got time for Facebook. You got time for your own Bible. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about just come to church occasionally and, and, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about you on purpose drawing near to God. Now, you may do that in church, but you need to learn to do it every day of your life. Because you're not going to be changed into the same image. Let me show you a scripture. Uh, I got to find it. I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Let's go over there a minute. Just be patient with me. I didn't give them this, so. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not as in second. Yes, yeah, in Second Corinthians chapter three. Turn over there. I want you to see this. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the word of God the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord God is patient God is kind God is love. He is love. And the more you spend your time looking at him and thinking about how much he loves you is when you're changed into that image. What do you know about unconditional love? I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. Is that unconditional? 
Did he love you when you were a sinner? That's unconditional love. The more you're rooted in Jesus, and in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start a series in this church on the blood of Jesus. And we're going to really dive into righteousness And we're going to get into the very character of Jesus himself. And the more you look at what he did for you at the cross, the more you become like him. You're not going to stop doing drugs. You're not going to stop drinking. You're not going to stop cussing. And you're not going to stop getting mad at people until you spend time walking with Jesus. Just being a Christian won't work. That's what happened to me. For the good, thank you, Jesus. Because though I was born again, I still had an anger problem. And I mean, I'd look at you and say, I have a button. And I I didn't like it, but I knew it was there. And I'd warned Lisa. I said, if I ever tell you to stop, stop. Because you hit the button. Just don't hit the button. Because that story of the Hulk, there was some of us that would turn green. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. And that's not a superhero. That's just a mad doctor. Come on, some of y'all are like that. They push your buttons and you are off and running. Like a racehorse screaming, hollering, cussing, fussing, slinging snot. (laughs) Stuff. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? But yet you're going to notice... That the more I would spend time, get up in the morning and go in there and pray, spend time with God, having mentors like Copeland and Hagen and different people that I saw walking in love and I watched them. And after a while, I started becoming like what I was looking at. Now, I'm not where I want to be yet, but let me give you all a little hint about money. Want to make a million dollars? You need to find a friend who's a millionaire. It's not all that hard. You're going to need a mentor. If you want to walk with God, you need a mentor. You need somebody that you can look at. Hanging around Mark Hankins. Mark is extremely generous. I thought I was generous until I started running around with Mark Hankins. And I gave a girl a 20% tip, and he climbed all over me for it. He said, that girl is working for a living, and she's probably got five kids at home, and you just gave her only 20%. I thought that I was doing real good, because I used to only give 10. Don't look a minute. You start hanging around people who hand $50 to waitresses, at first that will like, Excuse me? I am not giving her a $50 bill. I need that money myself. Well, that's why you broke. And that's why he flies an airplane and I drive a pickup truck. Are you all out there and you go home? You hang around with people further than you. It's tough. Because they'll tell you when they don't like what you're doing. Nod and look spiritual right now. But you're going to pay a price. You're going to pay a price to be better. So after a while, you start hanging around people who have a lot of money. It isn't long before you see why they have a lot of money. And you start thinking like them and acting like them. And the next thing you know, you look in your checkbook one day and go, it has gone up a lot. Because your mindset changed because of what you're looking at. Is this helpful to you all? Yeah, the world needs to walk with God. Church needs to walk. You need to walk with God. You need to, you need to walk with him. We have in the service here, we have things called Holy Ghost meetings. Because you need, to, you need to not just learn information from me preaching. You need to have times you spend in his presence. Singing and worshiping and running and jumping and hollering, whatever you want to do. But the more you run around with him... It says in the book of Acts, they took note. The disciples had been with Jesus. After going to Ramah, I started noticing that when I laid hands on people, they started getting healed. How'd that happen? Running around with Kenneth Hagin. 
Kevin McNulty started running around with T.L. Osborne. Well, think about what I'm about to say to you. When Kevin met T.L., Kevin was preaching on street corners in Russia to 100 people. Five years later, he's preaching to 50,000 people. What happened to him? Running around with T.L. He saw it. He saw it. It's not enough for you and I to say, I'm a Christian and I'm working on my love walk. You need to find people that are actually walking in love and say, yeah, I think I'm going to make a friend with that person right there and get to know them real good. We have people come to church, Cindy Duvall. That woman walks in love. She is a loving, her and, her and uh, Lois, very loving. Mary Fran, very loving, gracious human being. It's an honor for Lisa and I to get to know them. Trina Hankins, one of the kindest women you will ever meet this side of heaven. And she's a model for women. Y'all are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Love, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. That's a powerful little statement, isn't it? It's very deep. Are y'all, did y'all learn anything? Yes. Y'all ready to walk in some love now? Yes. Say, I will, I will practice, practice my love walk this week. Because I, because I know God will make sure that he sends plenty of people for me to practice on. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the people you don't like that are around you. If you run them off, he has more. Now, Lisa and I love y'all. Aren't y'all glad he's been working on my love walk? Because we actually love you guys now. I've always loved them. She's always loved you. Church people used to get on my nerves. Just get on my nerves. I've really grown. I like y'all. You don't get on my nerves anymore. I love seeing you. and I actually believe the best about you now. Pray for you. Aren't you glad there's a God? I can't wait till he does the same thing in you. No, I'm teasing y'all. In God good. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father, what a great, what a great joy to learn to, to walk in love and to become more and more like you. And I'm trusting right now in all of us in this room. We've all grown in our walk with you. We've all grown in our love walk. But there's also a lot more to be done. And I'm just going to thank you right now ahead of time that, that, that for your working in us. I also am going to pray for the people in this church to be gracious with each other. Because they don't have anybody else to love them unconditionally, maybe at home. But they need to know they walk into a church and if someone sees something, they cover that. And they're patient and they're working with each other. So that the person that we know that we're working with, they have a chance to grow in God. I pray, Father God, that when people walk in this church on the outside, they'll say, that's the lovingest bunch of people I have ever seen in my entire life. They actually love each other, and they loved me. I walked in one Sunday, and I could tell they loved me. And Father, I pray that every one of us would become more and more like you, that we would exemplify love to our spouses and our children and the people that we work with so that they actually become interested in Jesus by watching our life. And I give you thanks for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.